welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. One of my many undesirable traits is my ability to underestimate the sheer volume of any one task. And this has to be one of my least favorite ones for me. Match with my confidence that it's all going to turn out great and I get myself into a few too many pickles for my liking. I have got better because I've been working on it. But this year, I discovered that my decision to self-publish my book, Be a Spider, Build a Web, instead of going through a traditional publisher, turned out to be a far bigger task than I had expected. Not only did I have to write the thing, but then I had to work out how to get it ready for publishing and then work out how to market it. And yes, I'm a marketing strategist and I've had lots of books published before, but marketing a book is working in a particular subset of marketing. And my last book was published in 2008. I'm old. And that was with Penguin, who did all the heavy lifting, both on the publishing and publicity front. And I totally underestimated all the work they did. I will be honest. After getting help with the publishing side, I used uh, Digital Strategies, um, Martin Taylor, who was fantastic. I felt I could manage the launch until all too late, I realized I was wrong. Please learn from me, people. Please, please learn from me. So I sent a desperate email to Elizabeth Heritage, who's a freelance publicist who offers everything from a DIY package, which is what I got, to a complete done-for-you book publicity service. Thankfully, she came to my rescue. And while there was a limit to what she could do because I'd left it far too late, I immediately had a plan and a direction where to go. I'm still implementing her plan several months out of having my book published. By the way, you can get it on Amazon or at beaspiderbuilderweb.com. And I'd call the release of my book more of a slow burn, but we're getting there. Elizabeth Heritage has worked in book publicity for nearly a decade, both in in-house at publishing houses, freelance for small presses, and for self-published authors like me. For seven years, she was a sales, marketing, and publicity tutor at Fidatia Publishing Course, and she lives in Te Whanganui, Atara, with her whanau and pet rats. I really enjoyed this time with her, and I hope you enjoy this as well. Uh, Even if you're not a business owner or someone who's written a book, you can take a lot of lessons from this, and at the end of the podcast, I'm going to go through how you can apply this, regardless of the type of publicity that you might need. But until we do that, sit in and enjoy the podcast. Oh, and before we jump in, if you have any questions, uh, come and be part of our Mapit Marketing group on Facebook. And if you'd love to have a check of my book, as I said, it's at beaspiderbuilderweb.com or you can check it out on Amazon. Hi, and welcome to the Mapit Marketing Podcast. And I'm really looking forward to this episode because I've got someone that I'm currently working with to learn from myself. And so I hope that you enjoy coming for that journey with me. Um, For some of you, if you've never heard of this podcast before, it's your first time. I recently wrote a book called Be a Spider Builder Web, and it's the first self-published book that I've ever done. And boy, was it a learning curve. And I quickly learned that I needed some extra help, that I don't know everything in the universe, and I definitely needed to get someone else to support me. So I am really excited to introduce our new guest. 
yesterday and I'll introduce her to you in a minute. Before we do that, if you have any questions coming out of this podcast, or you want to ask, know anything else, or, or if you just want to come and be part of my community, I have a, a Facebook community called Map It Marketing, easy to find. Um, and you can come in there and ask questions and get support for your business. And we often have like special deals and freebies of extra ways to help you with your business in that time. And if this is uh, your first time listening and you love it or you're a long time listener and you'd love to help me get the word out, I'd love it if you rated and reviewed this podcast because it really helps other people trust it. And thank you so much for those of you that do. Right, with no further ado, um, I'd really love to introduce you our guest today, Elizabeth Heritage. She is a freelance, oh my gosh, okay. I, I asked you before what the title was and now my brain has gone completely gone and I was so focused on the freelance part. You're a freelance book publicist. Oh, look how professional I am, Elizabeth. <laughs> Go I don't mess these things up at all. Um, but she's a freelance book publicist. Um, and I'll just say before we start jumping in with, with Elizabeth, uh, one of the things I really learned was um, I've had books published by traditional publishers before. And I've got to say that I really didn't understand how much a publicist does until I had to start doing it myself and I was completely overwhelmed and I found it very hard to work it out um, and so I'm incredibly thankful for people like Elizabeth but particularly Elizabeth because she has helped me um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna get her to just tell us a bit about her and we're gonna find out about why it's a good idea to get a publicist and particularly if you're wanting to self-publish a book so welcome to the show Elizabeth. Oh, kia ora, Rachel. It's so good to be here. It's lovely. And I love, um, people can't see if they're listening, but you've got a beautiful bookcase in the back, which makes me excited because mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. like, you know, books. Um, so what is a book publicist? Let's start with that. And how did you, how did you get into it? Oh, kia ora. Yeah. Well, great questions. How do, let's start with how I, how I got into it. So yeah. I'm um, Pākehā New Zealander. I'm first generation. My parents are from England. I was born in Tamaki Makoto um, by the manga called Owairaka in Te Reo and Mount Albert in, um, in English. Uh, and I've lived here in Aotearoa for most of my life. I also lived in the UK for part of it. Um, I was born in 1980, so I'm currently 41, which is a good age to be. Um, so I had <laughs> half of my life has taken place in the 20th century and half in the 21st, which is... I feel like I'm, I'm really feeling that kind of duality these days. Uh, everything took a sharp turn. Um, it did. Well, I have a daughter that was born in 2000. So oh. she's never done that pre-2000. And they're all my daughters are after yeah. that. So I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's such a wild time. Um, and I have had lots of different jobs in my life. Um, I started off as a library assistant and just cool. props to all librarians. I've always loved books um this the bookcase behind me um is very representative of my lifelong passion I'm a a reader and a writer um I think primarily and I have worked in the civil service in the UK um supporting women's businesses and then I when I came back here I retrained and I took the publishing course at Fitaraya which I highly recommend if anyone wants to become a publisher it is a one-year course um full-time um graduate course graduate I think it's a graduate certificate I can't don't quote me on that though um and I then became the marketing tutor on that course a few years later which I was for several years 
Um, and that was where I, because I went into it thinking I wanted to be an editor, as nearly yeah. everyone who takes that course does. And that's when I realized that actually publicity was fascinating and really fun. And I was really good at it. And I loved it, uh, which are, are, every year there's like a minority of students that discover that. Most of them become editors, but some of them are like, yeah, marketing is awesome. Um, and I was one of those one of those people. And uh, since I took that course 10 years ago, I have been a freelancer in Te Aupukapuka, the world of books, the kind of literary circles, the publishing industry, book sales, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've worked for lots of different organizations within Te Aupukapuka, um, including Booksellers New Zealand, which is the trade association of independent booksellers. Uh, and um, notably for Te Papa Press um, for a nice. while, that was really formative for me, I learned a lot, especially from uh, Claire Murdoch and Odessa Owens and um, Hannah Newport-Watson, who were my colleagues there, who were incredibly generous with the expertise and time. Um, and then I've just been mostly freelancing. So I've been working with small presses, with self-published authors, with um, publishing collectives, which is really interesting, with writers groups, um, I, you know, doing publicity for things like sometimes for writers festivals, sometimes for a book, sometimes for a series of books, you know, sometimes for an author. I have um, some clients that come to me every time they have a book out and I give the, them a bit of a push. I have some clients who want me to focus on raising their profile as an author. Um, so to get to your second question of what does a publicist do, mostly what we do is organize, in terms of book publicity specifically, we organize book reviews, interviews with the author, um, features on the author in, my focus is mainstream media in Aotearoa. Um, book publicists often will also be, will run events, although that's not personally something I do, um, or pitch authors to literary festivals, which is something I do. Um, there are quite a lot more literary festivals here in Aotearoa than you might be aware of. Um, oh, obviously, really? Auckland Writers Festival is is the biggie, um, yeah. but all the major cities have one, and you would also be surprised how many small towns have their own literary festivals. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and obviously, obviously, with COVID, it's been it's been a wee bit of a downer in terms of in person events, um, but they are they are reviving, they are coming back. Um, yeah, quite magical too. Like I wrote mm. my last book in 2009, which was with Penguin, was on internet dating. And so that one was far more marketable, marketable for things like literary events because it was funny and it was stories. Mm. But I spoke at one in Hamilton and it's, it is a magical thing when you're an author and you're in front of a whole people and you get to tell stories and show the other side of you and people mm. to ask questions because when you're writing a book, it's such a solitary journey and you're writing for this crowd of people or the one person in the crowd but you don't know if it's hitting the mark and then suddenly there's all these people in front of you who've read it and loved it and mm. you're like huh it did get somewhere like people do resonate with it yes literary festivals are wonderful and I definitely recommend um, even if you are not you know on the stage mm. I definitely recommend being in the audience um, and just Google, even if, as I say, even if you live in, in a smaller town or in a rural area, just Google for like mm. the name of your region and literary festivals, because you might be surprised that there, there's some, some coming up. And please just go to all of them, um, especially go to the events with authors you've never heard of who turn out to be local authors. Um, there's just always these real gems. Yeah. Mm. And people, I think people 
um, don't often understand, and we'll talk, obviously this is about more about what I do in terms of what you, but your help and support that. People mm-hmm. often don't understand that how much work goes into writing a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like my one's around, I think it's around 59, 60,000 words. And I'm quite a quick, quick writer, uh, but that still took me a year, a couple of years of thinking about, and then a year to write mm-hmm. around other stuff. And then you have to re-edit it and you have to come back again. And I find that very annoying because I don't like that side. And come <laughs> back and check things and make sure things are fine. And then you've got the layout and then you've got the cover design. You've got all these other things that mm-hmm. a publishing house will just often just, like I know, you know, I have this beautiful photographic book that I did with Penguin years ago. And I literally just gave the manuscript. It comes back in this beautiful proof with the cover done. And they give you some options, but the photos are laid out. And you're just having to like beautifully just go through and check it. And you're like, well, it's already gone through three editors. You know, Mm. you don't, when you're self-published, all of that is your job. Yes. Which is a shock to the system. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it really can be. And one of the things that I see authors struggling with is getting up the momentum to do the publicity because they're exhausted from the entire writing editorial design production sales process and that is the mistake I made yes because I was like because I also had this kind of I've done lots of freelance writing and things so I was like I've got contacts and I was talking about this with another friend who's also an author um she's actually on my podcast this week she now has a of a completely different business but I said to her it's really weird because she and I've got quite good contacts but neither of us like actually approaching our contacts for our own book mm, which is a really yes. interesting thing yes and I took something that I come you. across come across a lot and often one of the things that I say to authors is that just having someone else say hey this book is coming out and I think it's going to be really good can make a world of difference because mm-hmm. I think as Kiwis and also often as women we're very reluctant to say I've done this thing it's really good it's worth your time Mm. which sound like three really simple sentences but it can take there can be a lot of emotional and psychological hurdles to get over before you can like write those in an email so just having someone else on your team like a publicist who can like send out those emails and and be like you know this is great it's coming up here are all the details can make a, a world of difference because I know there's also this thing and I'm learning this as well it was a conscious decision for me to go the self-publishing route like I probably could have pushed Mm -hmm. in and gone back traditional but I did want to have this flexibility around timing it's like when you go Mm. traditional publishing you finish the book and then it might be 18 months before it comes out for example and I wanted it fast but um, you know, I'm, I'm coming against that when I go and pitch to like a podcast, because a lot of them will go, oh, we'll take any marketing books as long as it's not self-published. And you're like, but my book's damn good, you know, yeah. and I, I've been managing <laughs> myself to get around that by going, look, you have this role, but I'm going to back my book. So I'm going to send you a copy free of charge mm. and see if you like it. And if you do, and I'm punting, I'm backing myself, but that's really mm. scary, mm. you know, mm. and I think this is the thing of why a publicist, and, and, you know, and full disclosure you know with you I we got I got the DIY package which means you can miss some guidance and help which has really helped because I really because I'm in marketing I want to push against this and feel like learn from you from this as well Mm. but I can really see why it's so important to get a publicist because 
a book is such a huge part of our soul and our spirit when we write it, even if it's about something boring like marketing, you know, <laughs> like it's not like I'm telling them my exciting life story. Yeah. Um, but although it's got that in there, but 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 it's that thing of it's very scary when people reject the book. It feels like a personal rejection. Yes. And um, one of the things that I talk about with a lot of clients who are self-publishing is trying to make a mental change from the emotional process of writing to the commercial process of, really important um, of publicity and have and trying even though it's really difficult trying to separate yourself from the book a bit because there will be some people who love you and I'm just not interested in your book at all and there are some people who will adore your book and find it really fascinating and useful and couldn't give two hoots about you as a person and How rude! Yeah, I, I know, and it does feel like that. And being told oh, I'm not interested in your book can feel like I think you're an awful person in a waste of space, but it isn't at all. They're, they're two completely separate so, things. That's so fascinating because I hadn't even considered that, and now I'm like torturously thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but it's so I think the other thing is really funny is like I um, I'm really slack at reviewing other people's books. But now that I've got my own book, if someone buys it and they're not reviewing it, I'm like, why are the damn, you know, why are you not reviewing this book? And those reviews are so important for mm. other people to trust it. And so I am mm. now starting to retrospectively go and review other people's books because I've Good. actually learned now. Yes. <laughs> like I've learned that if I, you know, my book's on Mighty Ape and I know that no one knows really who I am. But if there were five reviews that go, this book was amazing on Mighty Ape, it means that other people are going to maybe take a punt on it mm, or Amazon yeah. or Goodreads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that that is, that's that key is actually like, you know, if you if you are buying a book from an independent author or someone who's small and they've done that and you did love it, reviewing is a very powerful thing to do. Yeah, and there's lots of different kinds of reviewing as well. So when I said before that I organize book reviews, I was talking more about formal written yes. reviews that appear yes. in, for example, literary journals or newspapers and magazines. The kind of reviews you're talking about are more kind of like customer feedback. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and they're often, um, you know, a star rating and maybe a few sentences. Um, the reviews that I solicit and uh, for authors tend to like for example appear in maybe the listener or landfall yeah. which is a major literary magazine Beautiful or magazine. the herald does a couple of book reviews in canvas um you know stuff runs some book reviews yeah. there's an organization called the coalition for books that has a website called kete and they run more kind of in-depth book reviews um with another of my hats on i am a book reviewer although i obviously never review books that i am would well, be a bit hard wouldn't it yeah there's like a clever <laughs> website i think my mum is actually she's like almost 80 and she reviews on there oh awesome yeah she's very good at the very big thick new zealand times <laughs> nice yeah nice. You, she like you one of those what was that does she like historical fiction oh she will just she if she's given she loves cookbooks historical fiction anything mm. political and anything like a literary novel nice yeah nice. my books are very like she's if she ever listens to this she'd be like no that's not true my books I think are quite disappointing to her because I wrote like, <laughs> a common voice <laughs> I mean have we not all amongst us have we not all disappointed our mothers <laughs> my last book they said they were gonna um which was on dating they were so upset about it that they were actually they said they might actually have to pretend I'm not their daughter and then I got all this publicity and all their relative all their wow. relatives were going oh this is amazing and they went and bought a copy I would have given them a copy 
bought it and read it in bed together and then went, oh, this is actually quite funny. This is okay. Oh, we approve. Okay. Happy ending. Yes. <laughs> but it is quite a terrible thing. So, okay. So book, let's talk a little bit about that, that thing with the book reviews. Because one of the things mm-hmm. I learned recently is like, say you're on Amazon. If, mm-hmm. if you get a literary journal or the New Yorker, which would be amazing mm-hmm. or something like that, and they review you, you can actually upload those as social proof on Amazon, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think reviewing reviewing culture has changed a lot in the last couple of decades, as as so many things have. Um, the focus that I have, as I said before, is mainstream New Zealand media. Yeah. So I mostly focus on so so the, so the process is goes something like this. So yeah. the um, I will have a book, and I will have talked with the author about what we think the book's target audience is, mm. and then I will think you know which magazines and newspapers and you know radio programs do I know who speak Mm. to that target audience and then I'll have a little list and then I there will be an editor who commissions book reviews and I will send a pitch to that editor Um, and pitch sounds like fancy jargon but it's an email Mm. it's just an email and it says it addresses the editor by name usually I don't have to introduce myself because I already know yeah they've already got that and that's one of the huge advantages of using a publicist yes so relationships they trust you yeah yeah so they will open my emails which is a huge thing I used to be a a freelance writer and and I knew that there were editors that would open every single email because they knew me and then going into a new magazine much harder because they didn't know who I was yeah Yes, yes, very yeah. true. Um, so when I'm offering um, potential new clients, the difference between a, the classic publicity package and the DIY publicity package, the DIY package, which is the one you purchased, yes. Rachel, is cheaper because mm-hmm. it's less of my time. And it's mm-hmm. basically where I give you the tools that you need yeah. to be your own publicist. And, and they are they fantastic put- tools. It's going to just be, they are oh, amazing good. tools. Oh, like, good. I oh, was actually mm-hmm. amazed at the depth of information that I got from you. And I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that's really important with that DIY is that, you know, you did actually, you didn't really hold back on giving me a whole lot of stuff to help with that. And I think that mm-hmm. that was a really cool thing for me to discover um, oh, and, and was pleasantly surprised by that. Oh, good. And I'm you gave me structure, that. which as an yeah. ADHD person, I deeply <laughs> appreciate You gave me a spreadsheet, which mm-hmm. I haven't been great at keeping up with, but the fact it's there yes. is joy. I love spreadsheets. I think publicity, often people get get the idea that it's like kind of glitzy and glamorous. Um, and, you know, there are there are sort of parts of that that can be really fun, like when you get to go to literary festivals and that kind of thing. But it's honestly mostly spreadsheets and emailing. Spreadsheets and emailing <laughs> yes. is mostly what it is. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I would say is, because I get a lot of people coming to me and they're like, oh, I don't know, like I, I'm interested in the DIY package, but I don't know whether I'm like a publicity person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you enjoy nice, tidy spreadsheets? And can you email people? And they're like, well, yes, obviously. And I'm like, bingo. <laughs> you can be a publicist. Like you might not be able to do all of the stuff, but you, you've got the like the main things that you need. So yeah, I have two different ways of working, which is where the DIY stuff where I give um, authors what they need to do their own publicity. Or I some with some clients, I take on the work of being their publicist, and which which means that I do most of the work. Yeah, yeah. So getting reviews, I will pitch it to an editor. Um, usually I will have built up a relationship with that editor and then I will say, you know, here's what the book is. Here's why I think it's a good fit for you. Would you like to review it? They will say yes or no. They will find a reviewer, send the books out. Usually several weeks, sometimes several months 
goes by before the review actually eventuates um, because reviewing takes a long time because the the reviewer has to read the book. Sometimes they read it twice, like really get into it. They have to mm. formulate their thoughts and then drafting, redrafting, da 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 da. Um, and then it comes out. And once it's out, the author can do lots of different things with it. Obviously, you can promote it yourself through your own networks. But as you say, you can also, you know, link it to where the book is for sale. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that it, it gives you is a, is a route to go back in with your next book, because then you can go back and say, you know, your reviewer enjoyed my first book. Here's the next one. Because I think like one of the other things I think people don't know, it is that not just that length of time to review. So mm. newspapers have a fast cycle. But when I was writing for magazines, you know, we're writing six to nine months in advance. Oh, at least. And, yeah. and that's one of the things I think with self-publishing, it's quite hard because one of the benefits of traditional publishing is that it does take 18 months, but they're sending out review copies maybe eight or nine months before it's even out. Yes. So mm -hmm. we see this huge wow wave of publicity but with self-published like me who leave it right to the last minute and then go, oh my gosh, my book's coming out in six weeks time and I forgot to organize publicity and I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need some help. Elizabeth, help me, please. I know that mine is going to be this weird kind of sporadic up and down thing because I, the, the energy, if you don't have your own publicist, like using you like mm -hmm. that, the energy to push that out, plus be patient enough to wait for that process and know, which ones to attack when so they all come out mm -hmm. the right time that's a hard thing mm -hmm. yes especially if you haven't done it before and you don't know any of the editors involved and you don't know any yeah. of the lead times involved and a lot of my job is basically keeping track of when the different journalists will want to hear about the yes. different books so like when uh you know if a, if a magazine is quarterly, when are they thinking about, you know, which books they're going to review? If a magazine is monthly, when are they thinking about which books they're going to review? Um, and then on the other hand, you have obviously all the digital media like the spin-off or um, you have, you know, RNZ, they have daily, they have yeah. you know, hours and hours of content every day. Um, but even with those much faster media, reviews still take a long time to come through because, as I say, the process that the reviewer goes through does does take time and some of this stuff is free like obviously like you know if you're in the listener and you send a book they're not going to charge you but for some of that radio stuff sometimes they will come back does this happen to yours it's just going to happen to me because it's me um are they or others uh, sometimes they will come back and go hey look we're happy to have her on but it's this amount of money or things like that does that happen or um, I mean, I don't tend to pitch to those kinds of places because yeah. I, in in my experience, those kinds of places are often like you look, you'll check out their socials and they'll have like apparently really good numbers, like super high follow accounts. Yeah. But then you look at their tweets and you see that the engagement is really low. Yes. And it's like, oh, I wonder how many of their followers are actually bots. Yeah. Or um, even just not providing enough value enough yeah. that they're not getting that kind of, they're just sending out these proclamations all the time. Yeah, they're just con constantly, yeah. constantly shouting without actually conversing. Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to focus on, on as I was saying, more sort of mainstream media places mm -hmm. and more sort of well-respected podcasts and, and, you know, international podcasts as well. Um, so in terms of money changing hands, obviously I work for money. Yes, um, so <laughs> and it will be, <laughs> usually be the author who is paying me. Sometimes it'll be the publisher. Sometimes it'll be the publishing house. Sometimes it'll be the, the collective. But in the process of publicity, usually no money changes hands. Yeah. So 
I'm not paying the listener to run a review. They're no. not paying me to tell them about no. books. Um, they are paying their reviewers for their work, mm. um, but I have no contact with the reviewers directly. Mm. Um, the, the books editor, um, who is currently Mark Broach, he will choose the reviewer um, and then the listener will pay them and so that the reviewer has yeah. is not obligated to me or to the author or to the publisher to say what they think we might like. Yeah. They are obligated to the listener to write something interesting and useful. Because I And I do think that that's something that I've taught my clients about a lot. And then I forget myself because I, I, I just want to get my, my stuff out there. But I always talk about, you know, if people are coming back to you and they ask you to pay. That's an advertorial and it has a different yes. tilt than an editorial. Yes. And it won't be as authentic, no matter how much you feel it is. Don't get caught up in paying mm. for publicity spots like that. Yeah, and also don't get don't get wowed by some of the stats that they can pull out as well. Yeah. Like as if they say they have you know x many readers or x many listeners or x many downloads, you've you've got to wonder again like um, you know what's underneath those numbers and are you know are people actually mm -hmm. taking on board what they're hearing and you know what. I, I would be more interested rather than the output and the outcome, like what yes. what what kind of experiences have their have their authors had as a result of mm. being on the podcast and, and is it worth the money in that sense? Because it is because let's talk about podcasts because it's it's yeah. a really podcast and TikTok are two really interesting places for independent book authors because mm -hmm. um TikTok, you know, there's obviously book talk and there's a big talk about that. Um, I find it quite tricky because my book's non-fiction and a lot of book talkers are all about fiction books. So there's, yes. you know, it, it doesn't really fit me very well, but I know it works really well for non-fiction or for fiction authors. Mm -hmm. But in terms of podcasts, like how long have you been using those? And do you find that they do make a really good impact on small, you know, uh, small publishing houses or authors? Yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're, they're sort of a relatively new way of making book publicity happen specifically. Yeah. Um, I do have some podcasts that I will pitch to regularly um, and also um, obviously RNZ here, here mm -hmm. at home. Um, there are several programs that I will, will pitch to often uh, with, with authors. Um, I, or, you know, book reviews. Uh, Nine to Noon does, does book reviews. Um, in terms of impact, it's really difficult to say. And one of the things that I always tell potential clients before, you know, they decide to, to work with me is that I can't make any guarantees because mm -hmm. I'm pitching, I'm not commissioning. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the, the final decision is up to other people. Mm -hmm. And also publicity is so, so kind of, in, in terms of the, the, the relationship between publicity and sales, it's weirdly fluffy like you'd think that it yes. would be quite direct like no it's not the, the sort of the mathematical sort of calculation is you get the coverage people read it and then they buy the book and on one level that seems very sort of commonsensical but it actually isn't mm -hmm. and often you know you'll get because uh, I and when I reflect on my own book buying behavior mm -hmm. often what will happen is I kind of have vaguely heard about a book several times that I can't mm. recall where I just I get this sort of I just get this impression that maybe I would like it and then I'm in a bookshop and I'm like drawn to the cover and I pick mm. it up and I'm like why have I heard of this and I can't remember and then I read the blurb and like you know the first few pages and then I might decide to buy it and it's not that my brain has consciously gone 
oh, remember I heard that interview with the author on, yes. you know, Jesse Mulligan, or like, oh, yes. remember I read that review in Kirkus or whatever it was. But it's just kind of all smushed together in my mind to leave a sort of vague, positive impression. Um, and so it, it's it's very difficult to say what happens as a direct result, unless you have something really interesting, like, so, so for example, I remember once, um, Booksellers New Zealand commissioned me to do a feature on um, RNZ and its relationship with, with book sales, which was absolutely fascinating. Oh, would have been and really I was talking to booksellers and they were saying, no one sells books like Kim Hill. I mean, uh, yeah, I was interviewed with Kim Hill, last, yeah. my last book. She's, I mean, obviously a force of nature in her own yeah. right. Um, but people will, and her program, of course, is on the weekend. And then people will come into bookshops on Monday and say, I want that book Kim was talking about. And they won't have remembered the title or the author, but they will just remember that Kim seemed to think it was okay. Good. And so with, when you have data like that, you can point to that and be like, oh, okay, obviously X, therefore Y. Yeah. But more generally, it's very difficult to say which coverage produced which result and it's, my main approach is to basically go for coverage landing within the sort of yeah. six weeks of the book coming out and then just getting into people's brains enough that they're like oh that sounds intriguing yeah it's interesting because I do remember from like I, it was years 2009 so years ago and I was interviewed with Kim Hill I think the thing that makes her an expert interviewer for books books is you can tell that she's read the book. Oh, and 100%. She, she, she always, has questions has. that make you squirm, mm. even if it's light and a light and fluffy book. And she what she gets so when she asks questions, she's helping the reader also break through or the listener break through some of those obstacles to potentially mm. buying the book as well. Mm. And you know, when we talk about, you know, it's really interesting that you say that because I know that myself in marketing that, you know, we have to be, we have to see a book, see a product or, or a service between 13 to 22 times before we buy it. Yes. But I, of course, I'm not applying <clears throat> that to my own book. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's very familiar. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, I've mentioned it once. I did a podcast where I read out a whole bloody chapter. What more do I need to do for you guys? <laughs> yeah. It is very, very difficult to apply things that you understand intellectually to your it own behavior. Not pleasant. Especially when it's something as emotional as your own work of art mm. and your own writing, your own production. It's, it is really, really difficult. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's useful to have a publicist who can sometimes just give you like yeah. a gentle reality check. Um, and one of the things that I do a lot with clients is try to manage expectations mm. um, because often again and again with the, with the writing process it can be so absorbing that it can it all can almost give you little kind of blinkers and because your book and your work has loomed so large in your own life for possibly years yeah you have trouble understanding that because for you it's like a 360 kind of thing and it's like right in front of your eyes and like it's the first thing you think about in the morning and all that kind of stuff it's really difficult to take a step outside that to um, not only obviously you know like people who know you but a step removed from that like strangers who you want yes. to buy the book they couldn't care less they've never no. heard of you they've never heard of the book and it's your job to instead of say where why won't you buy it I worked so hard 
uh, which is not a good sale. That's thing. all internal in me. I'm not saying any. And actually, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. people have bought my book, you know. Yes, I had a goal yes. for selling 100 copies and I've superseded that. You know, right. that was my goal. And I obviously want to do a lot more than that. But to get to that stage in that first month is actually, I'm happy. I felt like that was my first goal, you know. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that I, I help people do is, is figure out what's the hook. So what is it about this book that is that is so fascinating that you can just say, and again, like is sort of like, which is one of the reasons it can be useful to have a publicist, but sort of say it quite unemotionally, like enthusiastically, but not not with that kind of like you carry my heart in your hands kind of energy, um, where you're just saying, this is what the book is, this is why I think you'll like it, you know, it comes out in this place on this date. Yeah. Because and one of the things I want to ask you because it's really interesting. Like I, I knew I had to find a book publicist because I understood it's different from other publicists. So I've worked with, I've worked mm. with PR publicity. But what mm. are some of the differences between mm. being a publicist and being a book publicist? So on the one hand, I don't know because I've only ever been a book publicist. Fair enough. Um, although <laughs> I, I, I can tell you that I feel like every time there's a character in a movie who is a publicist, they're always really glamorous, but also really morally vacant. And I'm always really offended. Have you ever <laughs> noticed, like, the publicist is always the baddie? Anyway, that is fine. They are, and they, yeah, they always want to destroy everyone, and they're always really mean about what people wear. Yeah, and they're always really manipulative, and they're always lying, like, a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not maybe. fair. You're portrayed in a very unfair way. It's okay. All marketers are thought of people as people who play with crayons. Yeah. So, you know, and I've had people say that to me and I'm like, actually, my husband who works with me, that was one of the things he said when he joked. And I was just like, you make that joke again and you will not be working in the same office as me. That's not happening. But I think, I mean, when I, when I think about what the difference is, I think it's just specialist knowledge. Yeah. And also knowing things like how long book reviews take to come mm. through and when to start pitching and also which editors are interested in books specifically. Um, and I think being able to do book-specific market research yeah. as well, uh, which is often one of, one of my favorite parts of my job because um, one of the things that I do when I'm taking on a new title is original market research. And again, market research sounds fancy, but it's basically just me Googling and asking around, mm. which are the two um, things that I recommend everyone everyone does. Just but not everyone can Google and, and know what to look for, whereas yeah. in that space of the time, you know, yeah, yeah. I used to think just Googling was the easiest thing in the world, but I've really learned that it is a skill that if, if you're honed in a particular space, mm. you know mm. which words to use. And I'll, I've got, actually, I've got an example of, of that. Mm. I'm just holding this it's book called Eve's Journey, 1923, and it's written by Jill Brackenberry. Yep. So this is a republication of the author's grandmother's diary. Love it. Where she did a walking tour of England and Scotland in 1923. Oh, that's a cool, that's a cool idea. It is, it is very cool. And often family history self-publishing um, books, self-published books, are just for the family and that is you know kind of as it should be but this book caught my attention because of the character of the person who had left the diary she's just quite extraordinary and the photo on the cover shows her with her donkey yeah that's amazing on the walking tour and the, the the donkey's name was Hotep and I was doing publicity for this book and I was thinking oh you know women's history and da 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 and she often the the woman who went on the 
the walking tour often wore trousers and I was like oh that's an interesting like maybe like historians of gender expression and da 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 and so I was pitching to all these like lecturers and like university libraries and didn't really have much traction and I was looking at the book one day and I was thinking donkeys donkeys and I was like I was like I'm sure I've heard of like a donkey rescue society and so I was like googling donkeys and then I found that there's this whole subculture of people mm. who love donkeys and there are and, and in fact in Australia there are so many donkey societies that there's actually an umbrella organization so there are regional donkey societies and then there's a national organization Crazy. of donkey societies Crazy. and they have a magazine called Brayings which I think is amazing <laughs> And, and and Brayings has a book review section, and so I found I like I, was, I like tracked it down. I found the magazine online. I looked at the PDFs. I found where the editor was. Figured out their email address. Sent them a pitch, and they were thrilled. They were thrilled to hear about a diary of a woman. I adore that with her donkeys, and it was such an interesting kind of book publicity exercise. And I think it was partly because I was doing market research in a way that was informed obviously by my expertise but also like donkeys is something I know nothing about at all so I was also like going into a completely new area but then once you find you know the magazine and the publication and, and you know it has an editor and they they have an email address and, da, 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 and, and then you like kind of fall back into the sort of the regular rhythm of pitching but one of the reasons that I that I tell that story um, is because the the people who I sent the pitch to were really really excited to hear from me, and I think that 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 is the the, the like lovely golden yeah. moment that I love is when you can connect a book to its readers via a magazine or mm. publication or whatever it is of people who are genuinely passionate about whatever it is, and I would say never. Never underestimate the kind of the specialisms that exist around the world. And like, and here in Aotearoa, also we have we have donkey societies and I pitched to them and there's a website, I think it was called Horse Talk or something, and they were thrilled <laughs> and they interviewed the author and ran a whole piece about it. Um, and yeah, so never, never be afraid to just kind of like look under a rock and be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder whether people who love this have a magazine, or like I wonder whether people who do this thing have. A society and like maybe they have some comms and a newsletter and maybe they'd be you know wanting to interview the author or that that kind of thing um and I I find all that stuff really really fascinating so and and I've got my my again my spreadsheet my spreadsheet is enormous yeah. because I every time I take all on your details book, yeah, yeah yeah I'm like oh and then like of course it, it, and now I've been doing this for a decade and so now when I take on for example a new historical fiction book I'm like oh remember the last time I worked on historical fiction and I can go back and of course sometimes people have moved on or the magazine has closed down or whatever it is but I think just having having that curiosity and and also because it's not my own work that I'm working on it's very easy for me to A, to just go out and be like, hey, have you heard about that? But B, also, it's very easy for me to hear no. Like, it yeah. doesn't crush me. And um, I, think, and I, I think, think that is really important because that, yeah, because yeah, I, and it's really interesting because what you're saying actually really relates to when I was freelance writing for magazines because one is that relationship, but mm -hmm. also it's that thing of like, the thing I was really good at was finding that kind of, curveball of having one idea and then going like I went I had the best one of my best running experiences was having a junket by Monteith's on the west coast mm -hmm. to celebrate a beer 
And I went with M2 magazine. And so that was who I was going with. But I actually sold like nine stories from that time. And they were in, I found like a beer magazine. And then I found a place that was into machinery. And it was about, because the guy designed this machine. And so the ability to kind of like be an octopus in your thinking Mm. and not just go for that really direct route, but try to find those other little pillars. That's the Mm. thing that's key, right? Mm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. And I have, as I was saying before, I have different kind of service packages that mm. I sell. And one of them is just called Full Throttle. And it's basically, it's the most expensive one because it takes the most of my Makes time. Sense. But it's basically, yeah. it's basically when I do everything I can think of. And it like like I did for Eve's journey, where like I try one thing and it's like, oh, I haven't got the response that I want. What about this other form? You know, what about this mm. other angle? What about this other hook? And just keeping on, keeping on trying. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's so important, I think, too. And this is something that I, you know, even if you listen to this and go, well, I don't, I'm not planning to write a book and I'm not, I think one of the things that I've really learned through the last few years is I don't tend to have like a regular business coach, but what I've really learned is that there are moments in my time and my learning when I'm trying to do something and break through into something new where you have to get an expert on board like you coming and helping me. So that's that DIY side. Um, mm. To be honest, I was kind of tossing up between the two of them and it was more mm. because I, I was like, I can manage those contacts myself um, and I am going to do it. It's a good self-development thing for me to go and actually talk to those people. Yeah, but I think, I think that, you know, for anyone that's listening going, you know, well, is this applicable to me? For me, the thing I want you to learn from it is that when you're stuck and you want to see progress in what you're doing, go find an expert in that space and pay mm. them whatever they tell you they're worth. Because, you know, I certainly didn't go with you. Well, I don't think I'm paying that amount of money because your knowledge is, you're going to say, you say, you save me so much time and energy oh, with your knowledge. But that's, you know, we should be paying people to help us with that. That helps us progress further and faster. Mm, yep I mean I obviously I'm self-interestedly agreeing but um but yes I mean I I think about it like um you know like when your sink leaks yes and like with a a really good plumber it might take them 10 minutes Mm. and there can be a temptation to say oh well that should be really cheap then but the thing is, the reason it takes them 10 minutes is because they have studied yes. and they have, you know, they have learned and they have done this for years yes. and they have like, and they've taken one look at your sink and they have done an immediate risk assessment. Mm-hmm. They can see exactly what's going on. They maybe be around with some things to find out whether it's problem A or problem B. They immediately see the problem and then they're able to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then, and so it, it can feel a bit jarring when someone comes to your house and fixes something and they're like, that'll be $500, yes. please. But actually, you, what you're purchasing is the combined kind of sum of all of their experience and knowledge. And, you know, they've, they've got the tools, which maybe, you know, maybe each individual tool costs several thousand dollars and, you know, but they've had them for years that, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so that's, I think that's, I think recognizing that you don't know things and that you don't know what you don't know um, can be can be really useful and I use that when I'm working with other experts as well like when I'm working with book designers or you know when I'm working Mm. with editors I'm just like you know what I know that I don't know this I know that you know the shit out of this so like let me give you money and then you can give me this amazing stuff that I would never have 
you know imagined and i'm just i actually haven't mentioned this i don't think in the podcast but i want to it's not but it's not about you directly but the other thing i paid for is i worked with um martin taylor from i think it's called digital strategies but he was my book distributor years ago for another book mm. on reading and he did all the self-publishing side for me. So he did all the layout. And then he gave me again, like you, like this massive thing. So next time I go to do it, I have a choice. I can just go, I'll just pay him again to do the next book, which is already in my head. Or mm-hmm. I might be able to use his material that he's given me to do it myself and pull in some mm-hmm. admin people and stuff like that to do those things. But I think, you know, like those, like choosing to pay you and Martin was such a wise idea because even though it means that you go wow you know you spent all this time on this book you're raving about selling a hundred copies so far that doesn't count e-copies but you know you're you're raving about that a book isn't just a it's never it really very rarely is a money maker but it's a door uh, for, for non-fiction it's a door to open opportunities it's a door to have a bit of social proof it's a door to go mm. this is something that I've, I've laid down the sand and mm. if it's not a non-fiction book if it's a fiction book often it's just there's this heart need well I had it with this book to be honest mm. to just put down those thoughts on paper and absolutely it wasn't about having thousands I'd love it if the book took off and did that but for me it was I just need to show that this is my thoughts on this piece of paper. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, I think that's one of the reasons that the written word is so powerful and that, yeah. you know, all the different human societies throughout history have invented it in different ways, you know, whether it's the Roman alphabet that we're familiar with or, you know, Egyptian hieroglyphics, because there's something so incredibly powerful about thinking, the, these are my words, these, these are my stories, this is my language. Yeah. And put it into... Um, a, a physical thing and that physical thing will travel through space and time completely independently of me um, and, especially, and especially when and then going back to my sort of librarian heart mm. I think one of the reasons that I really encourage authors to get their books into libraries I mean obviously legally you're obliged to send free copies to the National Library under legal deposit yes. please google that if you don't know what it is um, but also like to sell your, your book into all of your local libraries is that libraries have that incredible kind of kaitiakitanga, that, that, mm. that guardianship of all of our works, all of our stories, um, and that they will carry them on to this incredibly unknown future. And your book will, will go on mm. without you. It will outlast you. I mean, and who knows who will, who will find it and what they will do. And that's, that's one of the things I love thinking about because publicity is very, very time bound. Yes. And lots of journalists will like, I only want to hear about the book before it comes out. If it's already come out, it's too late. I don't care. And so there can be this kind of tendency to get very into the whole, oh, the publication date, if it doesn't all sell within like six weeks of publication, I have failed. But you have to remember that it is, it is a permanent object um, and it will, it will go on and it will do who knows what. Who knows? I love that. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, one of the things I do also think that if those are going, I maybe I want to write a book, my biggest advice, I don't know if you'd agree, um, but is to become a big reader because I think oh, yeah. reading helps you work out and helps you work out your own meter, the way you talk. And I, like, I've been looking at your beautiful bookshelf the whole time and I was really privileged to meet Margaret Mayhe before she died at her house. Oh, wow. And I went into her, she actually gave me a book. I didn't, she gave me a book. I didn't ask her to sign it, which was the dumbest thing ever. But anyway, um, but her, her workspace where she lived, she had a bed in that, she had a bed somewhere else, but she lived and breathed in this little, this room. 
it was just every wall was covered in bookshelves and books. Mm. And I thought, here's this woman who has sold so many books from different things. And yet she still, she voraciously reads, she was a librarian too, voraciously mm. reads to get and spark. And it really mm. reminded me that to write, you have to first read. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And also don't be afraid of thinking that you've read the wrong books or anything like that. Because I do talk to yeah. some to some clients and they're like, oh, I just read romance and they, and they kind of say it apologetically. And it's like, no, that's awesome. Read read whatever brings you joy. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like if some people are like, oh, I was like standing in the shower and I just read the back of the shampoo bottle. It's like, yeah, it's because the words were there and we're yeah. like drawn to words and we're drawn to stories and we're drawn we to language drawn to and like communication. Yeah. And um, yeah, just read, read things that bring you joy, read things that bring you comfort. Um, if you feel like you're just reading the same thing over and over again, maybe take like half a step out and be like, oh, I wonder, you know, what someone else would recommend. I also really encourage people to read book reviews. Yes. Like, um, well, I because, wonder why you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, as a reviewer, I think yes. book reviews are like the, the highest art form or whatever. <laughs> I love reading book reviews. Um, and and figure out you know where where they can take you like what and and don't don't feel that you just have to read like the hot new thing um don't feel that you have to read all of the book a long list or whatever um just kind of like mosey through other people's bookshelves ask your friends what they've been reading like give it a go and also don't be afraid to stop reading books if you yes. aren't enjoying it or if you just you know and um, just really aren't feeling it or you're if you're like struggling sometimes I'm like really in the mood for comfort rereads I, I go back to Georgette Hare over and over and over again and Terry Pratchett those are probably oh, my yeah. biggest comfort rereads sometimes I'm, I'm like I have to find something new and um, one of the things I'll often do actually is go to um, my local bookshop and find what the staff are reading yeah, because um, I like the little reviews. Really they'll tell you. It's like yeah, going they to have a restaurant, those mini, right? Mini, mini handwritten reviews. Yes, I love the mini handwritten reviews. But it's like going to a restaurant when you ask the waitress, you know, what what's the best thing to have here? And they go, I don't eat the food. I'm like, I'm not touching anything mm. here. But when they go, oh, I've got so many that are my favorite, but I really think that you have to try like the cauliflower. You know, you're like, well, I'm getting the cauliflower because you've told me everything's amazing, but that's your standout, you know? Yeah. And I think those reviews and those that's as again it's that social proof mm, mm, I've yeah, been totally thinking about doing a gorilla thing of just putting my book in people's bookstores without them knowing it's there I'm <laughs> <laughs> taking the thing about I don't know if we've got this on the system where's this book coming I think you will just confuse and irritate a lot of books <laughs> I know I thought that too I was like it was a great idea for a moment I was like I've got enough contacts I could probably send books all through New Zealand <laughs> But um, that's okay. It is. It has been an intro, It's been a very humbling experience for me to realize that no one actually really cares about my book if it's not if it's self published. You know, that's been a really hard thing. Yeah. So the self publishing thing is so interesting. So and again, I've noticed a change in the last decade. Um, self publishing used to be known contemptuously as vanity publishing, and it used to yeah. be assumed. I used that, to call it that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, we all did um, and it used to be assumed that basically you were self-publishing because no proper publishers would touch you because your book was yes. bad but then what has happened since then is that a lot of self-publishers have turned out to be excellent and they're highly successful they're writing excellent books they're marketing them beautifully they're basically doing everything that publishing houses 
were doing. And gradually that 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 reputation is changing. There are still some holdouts, as, as yes. you're finding, Rachel, yeah. where people make one look at the word self-published and think, no, thank you. Mm. And I think that's partly to do with information overwhelm, because if you've yeah. got people pitching like 8 million books to you, you yeah. have to find a way to cut through them. And one way is just to be like, no self-published I think book. that is fair. Like it's, you know, I, I would have that around particular industries, which I'm not going to mention on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, I think, and, and you go, well, that's not really fair, but it's like, well, actually, we've just kind of realized that that particular industry doesn't necessarily fit or they normally we chase them and they don't, you know, so I, th yeah. I get that. And um, one of the ways around that is if yeah. you have someone else presenting the book for you. Yes, like, like a, a publicist. publicist. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you will find some, like, for example, there was a, a book awards I was looking at recently where they were like, the book has to be sent in by the publisher or publicist, mm -hmm. which I think was their way of getting around the whole, they didn't want to exclude self-published books, but they also did want to exclude amateur books. Yes. Which I think is, so I think amateur professional is actually a much more useful binary than published, yeah. self-published. I think so, because yeah. it's interesting because even with me, the reason I've had success with a few is I've been able to say my previous three books were with Penguin. I mean, the mm -hmm. last one was 2009, but that definitely has helped me get in the door, which is actually not really fair. Mm. Um, but, you know, I was a freelance writer for years, so I know that I can write, but mm. I do understand, like I buy books off Amazon, you know, myself and then go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I bought this book that's so badly written. So mm. I do understand it, you know, like, but I do think that it's it just surprised me how hard it yeah. is. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so if people like this has been so good, Elizabeth, and I know that we've still got like a session that I need to book with you, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but with which no one else gets to listen to, guys. Just yeah. <laughs> um, but with with um, if anyone else who's got a book or is thinking about doing a book, and please don't do what I did and leave right to the start. I recommend that when you're sort of like you've got your. So I also just this is something for those of you listening. Um, I, I've written lots of books. This was my 28th book that I've written. So I know how to write books. And I always start my book with a book proposal, even if I'm not planning to submit it to a publisher. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is it makes me work out my target market. It makes me work out my mm -hmm. key messaging. It makes me think about what other books are in my industry. And it also helps me frame out my thing. And I write a couple of chapters. Mm -hmm. And if I was doing this again, I think that that would be the point that I probably would have gone and sought out Elizabeth. Because mm -hmm. even though it's a bit early, mm -hmm. she would then be able to go, okay, this is where I need to see it or things. And I would have put that in the place. So if you are thinking about a book or you're halfway through that's a good time to go and seek out a book book publicist like Elizabeth yeah, that be right? yeah 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 and one of the services that I provide is basically a sort of consultation service so if you are self-publishing and and like Rachel you've kind of you've got the you've got the idea you've got the proposal you've worked it out you've figured it out but you're just like where do I go from here I can maybe help you with that so I'm not an editor um, and, uh, and you know or anything like that but I can definitely help with like have you thought about book design who have you hired have you thought about target markets who are they have excellent you really because one of the one of the mistakes that I see um, authors making is um, either with their target markets they're way too broad like they're like everyone who loves books will love this book which is yes. impossible <laughs> or possible. they're way too specific yeah, and they think the mountaineers like, only, did mountaineering in the 1950s. Yeah, or like only yeah. my friends will like this, or like yes. only people who already like me personally will like yes. this book. Um, and again, it can just can help. It can really help to have someone who isn't you 
just gently talk you through some things and, and to, to help you get into that, that sort of commercial mindset and out of the emotional mindset. Um, so yeah, thinking, thinking, getting that balance between ambition and realism, I yes. think is something else that, that having a, a marketing consultant or a publicist can, can help you with. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, getting that balance between wanting to do your book justice without wanting to put too much on it. Mm, which yeah. is really yeah, the emotional heaviness on it. Yeah. yeah. So if people want to talk to you about mm. um, getting book publicity, either DIY or using the whole shebang or that you've got like a few different packages and levels or, yes. or just in consulting, how do they get hold of you? Um, so just good old email is the best. So my website is elizabethheritage.co.nz and my email address is just books at elizabethheritage.co.nz. Um, there are there are two H's next to each other in Elizabeth Heritage. <laughs> I often forget the That's second important. One, so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel like you're weird if you also forget it. But yeah, my, my website is very, is very easy to find. Um, and my email is on my website. Email is the best way. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at E underscore heritage. Um, I don't have a huge Twitter, um, but I am on there most days. God help me. Um, every so often I delete it from my phone and I'm like, never again. And then like two days later, I'm reinstalled. I was actually New Zealand's most prolific tweeter. Oof. Um, and I I was in books. Like I was in a book called a Twitter year. Like when Twitter was really huge, I was like mm. there all the time. And I took two, about nine or nine or 10 years ago, I took two weeks off over Christmas. And I thought it was kind of a big deal because I was getting like influencer stuff and things like that on being Twitter. Like I was like, I had a very self-inflated opinion of who I was. And I took two weeks off and no one noticed that I was gone. And I was like, Twitter is far more important to me than I am to Twitter. So I just deleted it and I didn't go on. And I've just recently mm. dipped back in just because I wanted to extend it as part of my marketing. Mm. But um. It is, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Yes, I think it's I a think great way to get a connection. Yeah, and I do love reading threads. Like I get enraged I, and I don't necessarily <laughs> contribute to them, but I'll spend hours reading other people's threads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same, same. <laughs> uh, it is a good yeah. place to get connections though. Yes, it can be. Yeah. Very good for that. Yeah. Well, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, For those oh, of you listening, right. there's a little bit after the, oh, oh, sorry, I interrupted your, your um thing, Elizabeth. Oh, I was just saying. So coming. Um, it's been really fun I really and, enjoyed it I just it's been so lovely and I am so appreciate appreciative of what you've done for me as well and what you know we're starting to still work on even though my books come out you know you're having to um retrograde me a bit but um but for those of you that are listening um there is a little bit extra um after this where I just kind of go through a few little pointers for those of you that are thinking about um publishing a book but also those of you who might have listened to this and gone hey how could I apply this to my own business even if I don't have a book so we'll just do that at the end um but otherwise just thank you so much Elizabeth it's been a real pleasure oh okay to play thanks Rachel lovely thank you whether you are planning to publish a book or you have published one, or if you just know that your business needs to have more publicity, I want to talk to you about a few of the things that Elizabeth brought up during this podcast. First of all, if you want to ask questions, do come and be part of the Mapit Marketing Group on Facebook. And of course, I'd love it if you tried out my book. You can get the audio version on Amazon or the print version, or you can come to beaspiderbuilderweb.com to download the free workbook and also order yourself a copy direct from me. Right, before we um, before we keep on talking about my book, um, obviously I want to go past the 100 copies I've already sold, which was my goal, which I'm thrilled about, but 
you know, hey, it's always good to promote yourself on your own podcast. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about publicity. So I made a crucial area, which I talked about in the introduction, that I left everything too late. And I find that this happens a lot with businesses. Um, if we, When we get so stuck in the production and the creation of our product and thinking about it, and actually, and I've talked about this before, and we've talked about launching courses and other things, we have to think about publicity right at the beginning. And there were some things that I did do right that you also can do. Talk to people about the book, share little bits about it, talk about the process so people get excited about it, make it something that you're you're expressing and describing what you're doing to get that going. But you also need to have a plan of who you're going to talk to and how you're going to approach those people. And often they have bigger lead times than you're prepared for. This is something that's really caught me out personally and has made things tricky for me. And I don't want you to go through that yourself. When I'm working on a strategy with someone for marketing generally, we take those things into account and talk about how to prepare for those things and get ready for them. The energy involved in a launch is often as big as the energy in creating the course or the book or the offer that you've got, sometimes even bigger. So be prepared for that. Think about the resource you might need. Think about whether you need someone like Elizabeth, who's a specialist in book publicity, or someone else who's a specialist in beauty or whatever the thing is that you've got that you're wanting to sell. If you're doing it yourself, make sure that you give yourself grace and time to put that effort in. I have struggled because I had surgery around the time my book came out. I'm trying to manage running our business and I've got a family like lots of you out there, all those balls juggling. And, you know, at the moment I'm doing the lotto ticket hope. I'm hoping someone will read my book and share it and then other people will buy it, which has been happening. But that's where I'm stuck. And I want to be honest about that. I rate my book and I love it, but I regret not putting that time into really investing in publicity early on. So I want you to feel that you can do that, that you can put that time in. Because if you're putting all that effort into creating something you're totally proud of, you need to make sure that you also put effort into getting that publicity right too. I hope this has helped you. Have a great week. Uh, Next week, uh, we have got me talking to you about something I haven't decided yet. Uh, But it probably won't be about my feelings about book publicity. We'll let that one slide. And I look forward to talking to you then. If you liked this and you'd like to check out some of our other um, episodes, you can go and have a listen. If you really loved the episode or the podcast, I'd love it if you rated and reviewed it. And if you're new to the show, welcome. It's been lovely to have you listening with me today. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.